Hello beautiful souls and welcome to Raw and Real with Sony Pelty. I'm your host Sony, your guide on this journey of love, relationships and self-discovery. Each week we dive into the heart of what makes us human, the love we give, the connections we crave and the struggles we bravely face in our quest for deeper intimacy and self-love. Here we strip away the facades. We talk openly about the joys and pains of relationships, the lessons learned from love lost and found, and the growth that comes from being authentically ourselves. Whether you are single, in a relationship, or exploring the vast landscape of your heart, this is a space for you to feel seen, heard, and understood. Join me every week as we share stories, invite experts, and offer insights that help us navigate the complex world of love. It's raw, it's real, and it's all about the most powerful force in our lives, love. Let's embark on this journey together. Welcome to Raw and Real with Sony Pelty. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to another heart-to-heart conversation on Raw and Real with Sony Pelty. I'm your host, Sony, and I come to you today with another inspiring conversation with my guest, Dr. Manisha Aluwalia. Dr. Manisha Aluwalia is the life coach for Indians. She helps when you have been feeling stuck and paralyzed, making big decisions in your life, going back and forth in your mind with no clear conclusion. Specifically, she brings relief to her clients consumed with guilt over disappointing others, especially their parents. She talks and writes openly about her decisions about marriage and in-laws stress, infertility stress, divorce, love after divorce, and more. Her social media posts are inspiring, drawing on her courage and willingness to be vulnerable about topics usually considered taboo in Indian culture. She's a coach, speaker, author, competitive tennis player, and a mom to Misha, Mirchi, and Jaggery, her Indian street dog and two kittens. She's also an infectious disease physician who retired from that career when she learned that life coaching was calling for her in a way medicine never was. Welcome to the show, Manisha. I am so excited to have you on the show and and tap into your wisdom. Thank you. Hearing my bio, I'm like, yes, that is very much me, isn't it? Uh, it feels very much in flow with where things are these days. So yeah, that was oh, good that's time. so amazing, right? Just being in flow. Yeah. Um, that's what I strive for. And yeah. you know, many listeners strive for that too. So I am really excited for us to chat this afternoon. Um, so you have had a very remarkable journey from being an infectious disease physician to becoming a life coach. Mm-hmm. Can you share what sparked this transition and how it aligns with your personal values and beliefs about self love, self growth, self love, and love in general? Yeah, thank you for that question. It's very much about my own lived experience because 
at a certain point in my own health struggles, I required help from the outside. And I chose the route of hiring coaches and those coaches happened to also be physicians. Mm. We had a very you know common baseline, common understanding. And then in addition, they had extra training in how to coach people in their mindset. And using their help, I really saw changes for myself and started to get a lot more inquisitive and started hearing. Of course, you know, when you hear one thing once, you start to hear it all over the place. Uh, the universe starts speaking to you. And so I ended up at a conference where there was a breakout group and I got to meet some coaches who were doctors and I got to understand what the coaching certification program is like. What's the time investment? What's the money investment? My jaw dropped when they told me how much the certification program was. I was like, I already did a medical degree. You want me to spend how much? <laughs> but anyway, yes. <laughs> um, you know, the the work that I had received from these coaches was so moving and so profound for me. Um, I really was able to do so many things as a result of being coached as a client, lose 60 pounds, reverse my pre-diabetes, reverse my mm -hmm. insulin resistance, mm -hmm. reverse my pre-hypertension, um, you know, just get in like amazing shape and I was doing all of that to get to a healthy me so that I could try to conceive. Yeah. Um, and all of this was happening as I was realizing I was getting more and more unwell in my career as a physician. And so it all kind of made sense. Here's this other avenue of helping people. Other doctors are doing it. It gave me, you know, this idea that it's legitimate because other mm -hmm. doctors are doing it. Yeah, And I decided to go for the certification. And then once I did the certification, I knew, I just knew that this was absolutely what I was meant to do. And I think that it's proven to be true month after month since that time. And that was September 2020 when I was certified. Amazing. Before we go further into your journey, I, want, I would like to highlight something for our listeners. Something that you said when you found out how much it was yeah. certified, your jaw dropped, right? Yes. And yes. I felt the same when I went through my training and my yeah. certification. Um, yet, I feel that the value is priceless of getting certified or any life-transforming thing we engage in. Yeah. And the reason I want to highlight it is because it was true for me. And I feel like for so many of my clients, there's so much hesitation to invest in something that is intangible. You don't get a physical product when you're spending two, three, $4,000, depending on what level um, of coaching you're investing in. Right. Yet, what we receive from it is priceless. It's life altering, life transforming. Like I would not change anything about how much I have invested into my journey, my growth. And it's not just benefiting me, it's benefiting my kids. So we are not just pouring into ourselves. We are pouring into the next generations. And interesting as one of my coaches says that when we heal ourselves, we are healing seven generations to come and seven generations that have come before us. And that is so profound. 
right? What are your thoughts on that? Ooh, that is a moving statement you just made about the seven generations to come and the seven generations before. I I love that perspective. It gives me grounded feelings that, okay, I do have a place in this continuum and there are ripples that have reached me and ripples that I can move forward from here. Mm-hmm. But to go back to your question about investing and having that difficult time to not only spend the money, but see the tangible benefits. And I would argue that the tangible benefits can be written down in so many ways Mm -hmm. and writing Mm -hmm. can make it tangible. Mm -hmm. And if I made a list today, I would tell you my tangible benefits are I left a marriage. Oh, 100%. I left a career. Mm -hmm. I left a set of in-laws. Yes. I I left my journey of trying to become a mother. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I gained a a career in tennis. I gained a career in coaching. I gained a vocation, something that speaks to me from the inside. Yes. Like medicine never did, right? You think, oh, Oh you're getting a doctor and like, that must be your calling. It was never my calling, Sony. It was a job. I hear you. And you know, so many times, and that will tie into our cultural um, piece of things as well, because we are told, especially like in the Indian culture, doctor, engineer, lawyer, like those are the things. So sometimes are we fulfilling our parents' or the society's dreams for us versus our own, right? Yeah. So I'm so 100% agree with you on that. Um, And yet I see people find it so hard because it's hard work to get these tangible results that you just spoke of. It's not easy to spend $3,000 and bring home a Chanel bag. I think Chanel bags are like, seven, eight, but you know, thousand dollars, but you get, get my point, right? I like get your a luxury point. item. Yeah. That's easy, right? Like if you have the money, you just go swipe your credit card and you bring back this beautiful looking bag, the tangible items, the tangible results that you and I are talking about, they require hard work. They require us to show up as someone we've never showed up as, right? Yet the benefits are like nothing else out there, right? Yes. So I'm so happy that you did point that out. Yes, there are tangible benefits. Like the results are tangible. You see them in your life. Yet it's easy for someone to go buy an expensive outfit or a handbag Yeah. versus really putting the time, effort, energy to transform who we are, how we are living, to break the norm, to break those patterns, cultural patterns that we have been living in generations after generation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me, when, where did your certification to become a life coach play in your life? Like, was it before your divorce, while you were going through it? Or was it something that happened after? I got certified in September, 2020. And that was the peak of when I was 
having trouble with fertility, trouble trying to conceive, probably on my third round of IVF, but of just some kind of treatment to try and get pregnant. I probably had already had three or four miscarriages by then, and I was probably on my second DNC by then. And for people in the audience who don't know, a DNC is when they remove a non-viable pregnancy from mm -hmm. your uh, uterus through under general anesthesia. Um, and I was also very burnt out in my medical career. And my health was problematic. Like I was mentioning all those diagnoses that I had received from the reproductive endocrinologist. And so that's kind of where certification was taking place. And also I was in a fitness program uh, starting October 2020, which was like a month after the certification. So there was a lot of movement. There was a lot of burnout. There was a lot of health issues. There was a lot of sadness and grief and loss. And there was this something brewing, like certification is near and this health journey is starting and mm -hmm. coaching is beginning. So it was really a dynamic time and a very memorable time mm -hmm. because so much was raw and real. Actually, yes. it's so funny that I just used that phrase, weird. <laughs> wow, I didn't mean to. Um, it was so much was raw and real at that time. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's that's so beautiful that you took that uh, period of your life and transformed it into something so beautiful rather than being burdened by it or becoming a victim of what you were going through. Yeah. You took that period in your life to just rise above everything and choose a very different life for yourself. Yeah, I was uh, interviewed for a podcast by a psychiatrist and she calls it post-traumatic growth. This must be a term I haven't, you know, I had not read it at that point. But, yeah. but when she said that, it made a lot of sense. That's kind of what I saw in yeah. that part of things. But it's not just me, right? There are so many people who undergo such duress mm -hmm. for so many different reasons mm -hmm. and come out like with this unbounded zest for life. Yes. They can't wait to get more. Yes. <laughs> out of the next season. And it's so exciting to watch when you see people do this. It's like, I had this cancer scare and now I'm this speaker and author and, and inspirational, motivational, whatever. And, and it's like, yes, we need to hear from people like you. Right, right. Not let, not letting life get you. Yeah. Right. And making the best of what was thrown at you and like you said, post-traumatic growth. That gave me chills. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, beautiful. So when in your journey, and I have, you've shared your story with me and I have read about your story. So uh, when in, during your infertility treatment journey um, and trying to conceive a baby, when did you realize that, this is enough yeah, and I cannot go on. And, and how did that change your life? Like your marriage? Yeah. First I had to hear and borrow a thought that I have, I get to decide mm -hmm. if I want to continue and I get to decide if I want to stop. I had to borrow that thought from elsewhere, from outside of me. Mm -hmm. 
And if I wasn't in communities where new thoughts were being spoken out loud that I could hear and borrow, mm. I would have never known that that's an option for me or that I have a yes. choice. Yes, that is so beautiful that you said that borrow outside external thoughts, right? Yeah. So I I tell my clients, borrow my faith till you have your own. So exactly. that's so beautiful. Yes, yeah. I love that. I mean, as coaches, we believe in you before you believe in yourself, for sure. Absolutely. And it's such a priceless thing to have somebody believe in you when you are in the, on the shaky ground, right? Yeah. And, and when other people around you are questioning you. As Indians, especially, you know, we don't have that sense that somebody else outside of us believes in us. Somebody else mm -hmm. outside of us is pressuring us right. and has expectations on us. Right. But now we have this person who looks like us and is saying, I got you. Yes. Like, what is this new world <laughs> available to me? So anyway, you know, okay, having those thoughts available, you, you asked me, how did I know that enough was enough? Well, I had to hear that that was an, an option. Mm -hmm. I had to develop my own self sense of strength, inner strength, mm -hmm. to be able to literally stand in front of somebody and bring the words out from inside of me and to say them out loud. Mm -hmm. I don't want to have a child. I don't want to pursue motherhood. I don't want to pursue motherhood in the way of fertility treatments, surrogacy, or adoption. Mm -hmm. So that I'm extremely clear what I mean when I'm done. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm done with chemicals and so let's move on to adoption or surrogacy. It means I'm deciding to let go of the pursuit of motherhood. And then I had to wait in my very deep discomfort. Because mm -hmm. I knew that was the end mm -hmm. of my marriage. So without having to say I want a divorce... I said, I don't want motherhood. And I knew that my marriage was conditional at this point. In no uncertain terms from my husband and my in-laws. So because I knew I could say no, because I knew I could say enough is enough, then I had to develop the, the strength, inner strength to bring the words out of myself. <laughs> and then I had to know that as soon as I verbalized those words, I'm going to have some discomfort. Is it going to be fear? Is it going to be regret? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I was willing to face those things. Because mm -hmm. I couldn't live with myself anymore trying to pursue this thing that wasn't mine to begin with. In my, in my marriage, before we got married, we decided we weren't going to have children. And then he changed his mind. Mm -hmm the year after we got married. And that's fair and that's fine. But that doesn't mean I changed my mind. And even though I didn't change my mind, I tried. You know, I gave it my best. Mm -hmm. And then enough was enough. So that was a deliberate pause from me. I just want everybody to soak Everything that Manisha has just shared, there are so many golden nuggets, so many points to highlight. Um, 
you know, as women and more specifically as Indian women, we do things to make other people happy, to give to other people. We try to mold ourselves and, um, something that you said that even though you had decided that you will, you guys would not have kids, you gave into your husband, your ex-husband's desire to have kids. And you went through the whole process and of the infertility treatments you know, basically somebody going into your body and doing things that it's like, maybe you don't even want the, that, right? And the moment of realization that I have a choice, I can say no, is something that needs to be highlighted that as women, we do have a choice. We get to honor our truth, our desires, our wishes, and it doesn't make us less worthy or less than because we don't want to pursue um, motherhood, because we don't want external elements just you know, unnatural things getting into our body, chemicals to have a baby. And we get to decide that we don't want adoption, that we don't want surrogacy. We don't want any of this. We get to live life on our own terms the way we desire to. Yeah. And you have modeled that so beautifully, Manisha. Thanks. It takes courage. And like you said, first recognizing and being aware that there that we have a choice, that you had a choice, and then verbalizing those choices, speaking them out aloud, that is no small thing. That takes courage, that takes bravery, that and like you said, you don't know what you would feel, whether you would feel sadness, whether you would feel regret. Maybe a combination of several di different emotions, right? Yeah. Well, what I can offer is that we do know. We do know what happens when we speak our des desires. Two things happen. We feel something and other people say things. Mm -hmm. Those two things are expected. Yeah. Feelings and words. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we're like, we don't know what's going to happen. What if it, but you do know. Yeah. And you can prepare for feelings and you can prepare for words. Mm -hmm. And that's really as if you want to break it down into the most simple blocks, because those are the blocks, right? What if I feel regret? What if he gets really mad? What if we break up? What if I'm alone? Mm -hmm. And then you can have the reverse conversation. Yeah, that is what's going to happen. Right. And now what? Right. 
you want to live your truth, well, then you got to be okay with the discomfort and coming out of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in life, to get to a better place, we have to sit in the discomfort. We actually have to seek discomfort. We cannot really run away from it. It's interesting because I think people will hesitate to say that's a better place. Mm -hmm. It is where you want to be based on your desire, right? I wanted to be free of the pursuit of motherhood. Mm -hmm. Who knows if it's going to be a better place? We don't know. We don't know. No. But we are living in a truthful place. (laughs) We said it together. (laughs) Right? Like living in our truth is... Is bliss, is freedom. It's freedom. People come to me and say, I'm seeking freedom. Okay, then are you willing to put yourself through the discomfort and not live like you have been living? Right. Right now. Right. Right. And I think like maybe it's worth also highlighting. There may be people listening who are moms to two kids who are having, who has a job and a spouse and are very happy in that. And then there's still something nagging at them. Yes. There's something more. I've ticked all the boxes. I love all the boxes ticked. I love the life that I have right now, but there's still something more and it's nagging me and it's coming to me over and over again. And I don't know why I don't just do it. Yeah. It's giving ourselves to permit, giving ourselves permission to do whatever it is that our heart desires and not saying that I have so much and I can mm. stop desiring. I don't have to reach for a to be at a higher place at an elevated place. Right. Yeah. You can have this and more. Yeah. And I think a lot of people ask the question, but how do you know that it's okay? Or how do you know that this is what you are going to pursue next? And I, and I, I, you know, the question is, do you want it? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that's your answer. You you do it because you want it, right. or you don't do it because you don't want it. Right. And that is reason enough. Right. And like, I feel like our body always is signaling to us what we truly want. And I feel as women, just as society in general, we are so disconnected from our body, like our heart's desire when they say, oh, my heart's desire is this and are you actually listening to yourself are you listening to the voice within you that's nagging you that's nudging you and telling you go do that go do that and are you kind of just listening to it and ignoring it or you are not even aware of that what your body's like knocking hey listen to me hey listen to me for four years we were in the pursuit of trying to conceive. And I can tell you, Sony, there were many times that I heard my voice. Mm -hmm. And there were many times that I put the voice of my husband and in-laws and parents above that voice. Yes. It wasn't quiet. Mm -hmm. In fact, the chatter was very loud and very noisy. Right. When I go to my Reiki healer now, she's like, oh, uh, your spirit guides, they're very loud. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the voices are always there and we have one ear to them. Yes. There's nobody who doesn't hear them. Let's be honest. Right. But as a culture, as a society, we lean into the voices of others way before we lean into ours. Definitely. And that's what kept me in the journey for four years. I mean, what? I adopted Indian embryos, Sony. 
Yeah. I was prepping my uterus to uh, to bring into my body somebody else's mm-hmm. embryo. Yeah, yeah. This is how far yeah, I thought I was doing mm-hmm. what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. So, because that's deep inside that's our our desire to belong, to be accepted, yeah. to be loved. Yeah. And that's the reason we we keep pursuing things for as long as we do, yeah. even when it's not what we want. Because longevity is the badge, right? Yes. The longer your marriage. It is. <laughs> and Zarna that's Garg, what we're told. You know Zarna Garg? Yes, I love her. <laughs> she did a bit on stage. She came to Baltimore where I live and she did a bit on stage. She was like, I've been married 30 years. And, you know, the white audience clapped. And she was like, why are you clapping? That's like so normal. Like, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a reward in our country. <laughs> right, 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 right. But longevity is honored. Right. Yet longevity doesn't equate to happiness, doesn't equate to a healthy relationship. I hope for some it does. Well, yes, for some, I'm sure it does. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but to make that a norm and say that's what it's supposed to be, that's not true. It doesn't always equate to happiness. Yes. So tell me, when you voiced your desire your thoughts to your in-laws to your then husband and to your parents what how was it perceived how did your parents take it more specifically than anyone else my parents have been in the U.S. for 50 years Mm -hmm. and they are tremendous human beings Mm -hmm. who have grown with me throughout these last seven, eight years, they have shocked me in terms of how open, supportive, generous, and progressive they are. Um, They just meet me where I am. They just listen. But I've also learned that controlling the narrative is is my job. I have to show them Mm -hmm. what I need. I have to tell them which words to use, which phrases to use. I give them options. Mm -hmm. Like I'm telling you about my miscarriage to my big like dubber WhatsApp chat. I'm telling you about my miscarriage. You're going to feel badly when I tell you about it. This Mm -hmm. is what I need you to say to me. You can say I'm here. I love you. I'm listening. And then I let them know how to make me feel better. Rather than them searching for God knows whose story to tell me that what happened to that other person Mm -hmm. is 100% not going to make me feel better. With good intentions, they're not going to make me feel better. So here's the narrative. Here's how I'd like to control it. Here's what I'd like you to say to me. So this is the learning that my parents and I have done along the way. So my parents took it in stride with me is the best way to put it. My husband cried with me Mm. Um, and my in-laws didn't pick up the phone to 
call me after they found out the news from my then husband. Mm-hmm. And those were the those were the three. Yeah, yeah. I love how you took charge and you're training people in your life how to speak to you, what words to use, what is going to be of service to you and make you feel comforted in the moment. Yeah. I love that. Who knew that that was an option? Yeah. Not many people know that we can we can train other people how to talk to us, what words comfort us at that given moment in our life. Yeah. But That's- it takes it takes knowing that the other person is really just trying to help. They're really just in pain for you. They really just want to offer right. something right, 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 right. to provide comfort to you. So if you can see that in them, then you can go in there and say, well, what would they need mm-hmm. to help me feel better? They mm-hmm. need some words. Mm-hmm. Right? They need a phrase. Mm-hmm. So let me just give it to them. Yeah, yeah. And then we can match in our in our desires. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. The intentions are beautiful and loving. They just don't have the right words to say. They don't know how to express that. Yeah. And how could they? My chachis and chachas and puas and fufers, they don't know how to talk about infertility and miscarriages and DNC. No. They, they don't talk about this stuff. Are you kidding? Right. Here I am on this WhatsApp chat, like laying it all out there for everyone. And plus it's on my Facebook and my Instagram. You know, I talk about this stuff very openly. That's just me. But they're like, you know, stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And so here's some help. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. And just knowing that these tools are available to us. Yeah. Just makes us so much more powerful as well. Yeah. Beautiful. So tell me, like in your um, um, coaching, you, you deal with people having a lot of guilt, right? And I know many of my listeners as well struggle with guilt, particularly when making decisions that might disappoint their parents. Yes. Go against the traditional expectations. Yeah. Right? So what advice would you give to someone who's trying to make the decision about their love life, their marriage, uh, and they're under these pressures? Yeah. I think decision-making, like we said before, is based not on pros and cons, but cons and cons. If you know that staying where you are brings you a certain level of discomfort, like I am not living my truth, and every day that's playing on your mind Mm -hmm. and your heart and your soul, and it's digging away at you, right? That's that one discomfort of not saying something, of staying in hiding. But then coming out of hiding and saying something, well, that's another discomfort, like fear, of rejection and fear of disappointing others and and the fear of feeling my own shame mm-hmm. because I'm not doing what they expect me to do. But like So now we have misalignment on a day-to-day basis and this fear of feeling shame by coming out of hiding. Yeah. So which one is no longer tolerable is how I help people. Right, right. And I Which feel- one is no longer tolerable? Because if the other one is more tolerable than the one that's not tolerable, then you got to go do that one, even though it's going to it's going to be uncomfortable. You got to yeah. go and face the shame that you might feel mm-hmm. so that you can stop feeling this daily misalignment. 
Yeah, I love that. And also I love um, what Brene Brown talks about shame and guilt. It's like guilt is something that you did that may not be perceived as the right thing or you like the act of probably hurting your parents, right? Versus shame is that I am this bad person. I'm causing this grief to someone else, yeah. right? So also knowing that, yes, this action that you're taking, this decision that you're going to take may cause pain, but that doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong or you're a bad person. That doesn't yeah. mean anything about your character, your personality, yeah. your being. In a way, I don't think it's actually always necessary to know which feeling the person is going to come up on, whether mm -hmm. it's guilt or shame or other uncomfortable feelings. What we know is it feels like crap in our body right. and in our presence, and we don't want it. So we stop going there. We avoid it, right? We know it doesn't feel good, so we avoid it. But it doesn't have to have a name necessarily. We just know it's going to be super uncomfortable. We want to avoid it at all costs. So we'd rather stay in hiding. And when that becomes just one day too much, I can't stay in hiding anymore. Then you literally wake up and muster up the strength inside of you to move your lips and get the voice out. <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it is. That's the essence of speaking your truth on the day that you decide to say it. Everybody probably has this scenario in their minds. There right. was that one day that I decided to just bleh, say it. Right. And I feel like um, <laughs> getting to the, getting yourself to the point of speaking is the hardest thing. Once you have said it out, I feel that there is so much your body just relaxes. Your body just, feels so much ease. Yeah. Right? That anxiety that we have been holding on yeah. um, when we just speak our truth and share how we are actually feeling. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, I feel so much relief. Yeah. So much relief and not to be mistaken that all of that guilt, shame, discomfort is gone. It's not. No, no, no it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's just that you have taken that first step. That's right. Yeah. My my daughter did that very beautifully this um, past November, right after Thanksgiving. She hasn't really spoken to her dad or seen her dad in eight or nine years. And she lived in this anxiety, in this um, anger mm. that she hasn't yet gotten to share with her dad how he has made her feel. Yeah. And finally, when after months of therapy and um, making the choice that I don't want to live with this and I don't, um, I want to move forward in my life. She decided she is going to meet him and share her truth because all she was doing was she was never able to be alone by herself. She was always running after things, keeping her life so busy, basically numbing. She said she was done with it. And once she met him and 
told him everything that she wanted to. She came home and she's like, oh my God, all of a sudden, my body just relaxed. I feel like I have so much energy. And that itself, there was a certain level of stress in doing that, but yet there was so much peace that came with it. And that's just the beginning. So yes, like you said, that shame, guilt, anxiety, all of those feelings and sensations don't go away, but you have taken the first step. I know. To be in charge of your life, to decide how you want to lead your life, right? And the, and the thing that's thanking you the most in those moments are the wounds that we carry with us, right? They're finally saying, thank you for finally paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> like we were trying to make you aware by giving you acne and, and seeing your hair fall out and, and giving you aches and pains. And all of that was, we were trying to get your attention, but yes. you didn't listen. Yes. And we're over here like crying, crying. And, and finally, thank you for paying a little attention to us yes. because now we can relax. And now yes. you can have skin back and your hair back and your your painless body back. <laughs> Absolutely. Like this summer, my daughter had this every single month. One once every single month, she would have she would have a purge, like throwing up for no reason, Very to good. where it made her almost pass out one time. And I'm telling her, Arya, you're purging. This is this is not like you've eaten anything or you know, you've had too much alcohol, you've eaten the wrong food or whatever. It's none of that. It's, it's all these, it's uh, psychosomatic. Yeah. And your body's trying to tell you something. So three months in a row that happened. And after she has released everything that she had to release, I would not say everything, but at that, in that moment, she has not had another episode. Right. So yes, your body keeps telling you, hey, listen to me. And that's how we, um, our emotions cause disease in our body. I'm such a big believer of that. Of course. Our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions keep us well or keep us unwell. Yeah, for sure. And that's why they say in, and, I, and I'm not bringing this up to trigger anybody because all weights, all sizes are included, but if you are in a pursuit to manage your weight and you do want to be a smaller number on the scale and you are holding on to emotional weight, then even when you release the emotion, you're going to see weight drop as well. Mm -hmm. It is a release and it's a release of so many things of not just your mental health, but your physical health. The weight loss is, is really rooted in losing the mental weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because I'm I'm guessing a lot of our audience, like many, many women, has spent 30 plus years dieting, right? It's just the way we function, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So well, you and I can continue talking forever. Yes. But Before we um, leave, what is one piece of advice that you would like to leave our listeners with, uh, especially those who might feel stuck or conflicted? 
with where they are in their life right now. I think that's a, uh, that's a point of celebration because if you are stuck and if you are conflicted and you know it's because of where you are in life right now, what we can celebrate there is that there is an awareness that you are listening to yourself, that you are hearing some of the things that your body and your mind and your soul are trying to tell you. So we need to actually first honor that and celebrate that. And I'm not saying that in a flip way, because if we're not doing this crucial step of celebrating what is going well and letting our brain know that feeling proud and empowered for knowing what's going well is safe, that these feelings, feeling proud and empowered, these are safe feelings. If we're not doing that work, then we are missing that crucial step in what's neuroplasticity, right? In laying down the new pathway in our brain that allows us to think newly and feel newly. If we're not honoring and winning and celebrating those wins, then we're missing out. So it's okay that you haven't changed your life, but it's also great that you're aware that something is not right. And we got to celebrate that knowing and that awareness. And celebrating that knowing and awareness is going to allow you to start feeling good a little bit more often. Mm -hmm. I love that you brought the piece of celebration. I am very big on celebrating every baby step that we take um, in the direction of our desires, of our dreams, the new way of being. And yes, awareness is the first step to a new life. Yeah. To a new way of being. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Manisha. This was so amazing <laughs> and so inspiring. I'm sure everybody listening loved our conversation and is feeling inspired. And ladies, as you can see from Manisha's story, and that no matter be it societal challenges, cultural challenges, we have it in us to disrupt the paradigm. It's never too late to start walking in the direction of the life that you desire. Until next time, stay raw, stay real, and keep loving bravely. Thank you for joining me today on Raw and Real with Sony Pelty. It's been an incredible journey sharing this time with you, exploring the depths of love and relationships. I hope today's conversation has brought you insights, comfort, or even just a moment of connection. Remember, the path of love and self-discovery is not always easy, but it's a journey worth taking. You are not alone in this. Keep embracing your authentic self and cherish the love that surrounds you in its many forms. If today's episode resonated with you, I'd be honored if you'd share it with someone you think might benefit from our community. Don't forget to subscribe for more heartfelt stories and expert advice on navigating love and relationships. And finally, remember... In a world 
that often feels superficial. There's power in being raw and real. I'm Sony Pelty, and I'll be here waiting for you in our next episode, ready to dive deep once again into the world of love. Until then, take care and keep loving bravely.